Welcome back. You're listening to the Purpose Pivots Podcast. We feature interviews and conversations with real people who use detours and disappointments and difficulties in their career and life as opportunities to pivot them towards purpose. Hey, Purpose people. Thank you for joining today's show. I'm your host, Yewande O'Neill, and you're listening to Purpose Pivot. I can't wait to get into today's discussion. So here's a little backstory. Some of you know that I love reading. I mean, I really like reading books. It's one of my hobbies, and I absolutely love reading a good self-help book or generally anything that can really help me grow, develop, or just be a better person. Well, about a couple years ago, I had a time in my career where I really had questions on how my faith and work would connect. And I had so many thoughts like, how do I make decisions in my career that would align with my purpose? Or should I take this next promotion or turn it down? I know some of you guys may have had those type of thoughts before. That's when I stumbled upon a book called God is My CEO, written by Larry Julian. From the time I got the book, I couldn't put it down. I literally read every page with delight, excitement, and anticipation. The book really helped me through some different career moments, and I've kept it on my list of go-to career business books ever since. Interestingly enough, I remember when I was reading the book, thinking to myself, how much I would love to learn more about the author, Larry, and how he came to write such an amazing book. Fast forward to this year, and specifically today, I got the chance to talk to Larry. I actually reached out to him on LinkedIn and got the chance to not only speak to him, but also ask him to be a guest on the podcast, because to be honest with you, I just thought this story was something that had many different purpose pivots and would be amazing to share with our listeners. How cool is that? So a little bit about Larry. Larry is a best-selling author. He's a speaker and executive coach who helps CEOs, entrepreneurs, and small business owners successfully lead with their faith and values. Larry's work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Inc. Magazine, CNN.com, and Fortune. In addition to God is My CEO, Larry's business leadership books also include God is my coach and God is my success. And I've purchased those too. So I'm absolutely excited to talk to Larry and I can't wait to have the discussion today. So let's go ahead and have an amazing conversation with Larry. Hi, Larry. Welcome to Purpose Pivot. Well, hi and uh, gosh, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. I am so pumped to have you on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure to read your books and now to be able to speak to you. So I, I'm just so excited. Me too, and I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. So I thought we'd start the discussion today. Just really, I know when we talked earlier, you had shared with me how you came upon that journey of writing God is my CEO and how many purpose pivot moments you had along the way. But I thought we'd start today with just hearing more of 
how you came up with the idea to write a book in general, right? For our listeners, those that may be interested in writing a book, how did you decide to write God is my CEO? And, you know, what came about from that? Right. (laughs) My quick answer is, I have no idea. It's like, what the heck was I getting into? You know, I, you know, the quick answer is, it's hard to describe, but I literally felt this calling to write this book. And I, I don't take that lightly. I mean, I do, I did feel this from the Lord. And so it started with literally having this argument with, with God going, you must have me mistaken for someone else. I don't even like to write letters. I knew nothing about writing, nothing about a book. I mean, it really was a crazy calling. But the inspiration basically came at the time. You know, I had the privilege of putting on CEO discussion groups way back in the 1990s where I was working with leaders, you know, by at this particular time in life, by trade, you know, I was a facilitator and I was facilitating these CEO discussion groups where major corporate CEOs would get together in a small group and uh, had the honor of um, facilitating this where they were open and honest about sharing their faith. And what I was hearing is most of these leaders or the perception of a leader is you have to be in charge, have every, all your act together, everything is fine. And really what I found were just human beings really struggling on, you know, how do I be a good leader in a bottom line world? And so at that time, I was going, wow, I was just amazed because I thought, how could this be? I always thought these people had their acts together when in reality, it was the opposite. So that was the general inspiration during that time to write God as my CEO. Wow. That is amazing. And when I was listening to you, I thought said calling that struck a bell with me because I thought to myself for our listeners, when they're listening, some folks may say, well, what do you mean by calling? What is exactly a calling? So could you elaborate a little bit when you're saying I felt called to write this book? Ah, yes. <laughs> for me, going back to that time, yeah, I I was very new in faith at that time. And just, you know, the backstory, and we can perhaps talk about this later, but I was born as a stereotypical Jewish kid from Brooklyn, New York. And I really, quite frankly, didn't have any faith when I was in the corporate world. So before I became a facilitator, my career was in sales and marketing. And basically, it was a dog-eat-dog world. And basically, my career was all about me, myself, and I. I just wanted to get ahead. I wanted to be successful, make money. And you know, my world was sales. So if you produced, you got rewarded and you moved up. But also, if you failed, you were out. You were gone. And so going through that experience was, uh, well, let's call it interesting. because. My life then became all about, all about producing. That was what success was. And if I didn't, I felt like a complete failure. And I went through a series of getting fired, not just once, but on several occasions, which definitely does a number to your ego. Yeah. <laughs> so 
So my, you know, my past was all about the paradigm of success, and it was all about very either or. You either produced and were successful, or you didn't, and you got fired. So in that moment of this last time of going, getting fired, long story short, about uh, I had a uh, defining moment, if you would, where I was after getting fired so many times, I was a seeker. And I don't know what being a seeker meant, but it meant basically I was seeking for something more to life than what I had. And that led me on a journey to eventually going to a church, learning about Jesus Christ intellectually. But it wasn't until this time period where it was a perfect storm of just getting fired for the last time, going through severe back pain and going through a divorce all at the same time, and my world just crashed. And uh, I just remember, I live in Minneapolis, and I went to the beautiful lakes, and I was it was a sunny day, and trying to find a place for comfort from my pain, and started to have a conversation with Jesus, something to the effect of, kind of like the cartoon with the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, where I was at the end of a cliff, <laughs> and each finger, <laughs> one more finger, and okay, Lord, I'm going to let this go, and I need for you to catch me. And uh, I did, and he caught me. And so for the first time in my life, it's the first time I ever felt peace. And so that was a defining moment that just really was a, uh, (laughs) I wouldn't say a career changer, but a life changer as relates to this whole world of integration of uh, work and faith, and so leading me to these CEO discussion groups, you know, I started out after I got fired, what was I going to do? And long story short, I started to find out, well, you know, what am I good at? And part of that was being a facilitator more in a, versus a salesperson leading me to these discussion groups which were all part of God's intervention. I can go into a whole story about during that time, how that came about. But anyway, it just led me to becoming a facilitator, doing these CEO discussion groups, and then at the same time, seeing that these CEOs were kind of the same situation that I was in, like the deer frozen in the headlights most of the time, and really learning how uh, relying on God and using God as your literally your guide and your leader really will define your success in life and really get at the true definition of success. That's a long-winded answer. <laughs> but it's <laughs> great. It's a, it's a great answer. Yeah. And as I was listening to you, I was really just actually thinking to myself, it's the whole idea of purpose pivot is how we all as people go through moments that are difficult, that can be disappointments, that can be derailers, but how we take those and actually pivot into what we were created for. And I loved how you walked us through, hey, you know, there are three things that happen here, uh, not only with the multiple occasions of being fired, but going through the severe back pain and the divorce, it all... came together to this moment that you had a purpose pivot where you literally your eyes kind of opened up to, 
hey, <laughs> what was I put here for? And that transitioned you into what am I good at in this this facilitation of the CEO group. So I I, I was tracking through the whole story and it was it was <laughs> it was really good. And so now you you're facilitating these CEO groups and you felt called to write this book and you said, Hey, I don't have any background in writing books. I'm not a writer. So how did this come about? Walk us through that that journey. Oh goodness. That became a new journey. So yeah, I had this I then proceeded to continue this argument with God going, I don't think I'm the guy. I mean, appreciate it, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, literally, you know, what does this thing look like? So it was a journey of acceptance. And really, so I joined here locally. They have a, 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 speak, a National Speakers Association. And I and I was starting as a speaker, you know, doing small gigs and what have you, and facilitating. And you know, this recognition that you know a book would be valuable to have, and there is value to it. But I just couldn't see myself really. I knew nothing about that that whole process. So it really sent me on a new journey about this process of writing a book. <laughs> it set up a whole new set of failures. Uh, it's just, I, I think it's funny. I, I think that, um, I don't know, sometimes it's funny how the Lord has to bring you through these difficult times, but they're so <laughs> significant. It, they're just so significant. It's just part of the process. So about, about the process of writing, I knew nothing about it. And so first I had to learn, you know, I mean, sharing a story. What is it? How do you tell a story? You know, how do you write how do you organize things? And then just going through the process of learning, but also my own, how would I put it? My own spin saying, if I was to write a book, how would I go about doing it? And for me, what became very clear is the story carries the day. And the other thing is in writing, it could be so, or I say, actually, let me reverse it. In reading, I'm not one to read books. I could get bored very easily, but I could get engrossed in a story and I'll follow that. So like any kind of instructional manual, ever since I was a kid with doing models, I would just toss out the instructions <laughs> and just try to put an, a, an airplane together by just, just myself. So I really went with um, how do you communicate key points succinctly? But then how do you do that in a story that makes a difference? And so I learned those aspects of story and I learned just the power of story. And I also learned the don't look to be fancy in terms of writing or being smart. Just literally speak from the heart in telling a story. And that's what editors are for. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you can let editors clean it up, but just be who you are and so those are some of the things I've learned about the process of writing. And I had some people that helped me along the way for sure. And uh, just stumbling through it. It's more about the story than anything else is what I learned. And, and you know, I, I love that because there's a couple things that you said that is so inspirational and motivating, right? So, you know, you said, hey, I... I don't necessarily like to write, 
but let me start small. And you were able to start with, you know, speaking and then, hey, how do I go about this in a way where it capitalizes on a strength that I have or something that I'm interested in, which is telling a story? That's right. And I think what you said is very important because, you know, just on going back to the question about a calling, you know, a key component of your calling is really discovering your unique giftedness. And for many people, including myself, I really didn't know what my unique giftedness was. In other words, when going back to when I was younger and I went to college and went to hotel school and then, you know, started, you know, with Hyatt Hotels, it was just erroneous about, well, I'm just here to make money. But I I didn't understand the concept. I'm called for so much more than earning a paycheck. I was called by God to serve a purpose. And I think the money or the career will take care of itself. Now, that sounds kind of Pollyanna because I understand we have to earn a living. But I do believe that understanding what you've been uniquely gifted with and what you're talented at, you know, with, it would be great to marry that with your work. And so I think that was a key also. Is I wasn't necessarily gifted as a writer. But I was gifted with, how would I put it? I would say that I'm an overcomer. You know, I've learned from the Lord how I I can persevere. I loved listening to people's story and hear how the story carried the day, which is God's story in each of us, and somehow capturing that and communicating that in a sync way for the reader. So, you know, I think. One, to your listeners, one thing I would share is really, you know, take some time to discover what your unique giftedness is. And uh, that's a whole topic in itself where I, I was able to have a coach consultant help me on that unique giftedness, which is find out what you truly love to do and what you do well. But once you discover it, you can really incorporate that into your career. I think that is awesome. And even as you were talking, I was thinking to myself how part of the time when we do discover what we love to do and what we are uniquely created to do, that giftedness, sometimes we discredit ourselves or think that it's too small, right? right? So we may compare ourselves to someone else and say, hey, I mean, like, you know, one example you gave her was, hey, I'm an overcomer. I can right. persevere. And we may look to, to our left and this person can sing really well. And then we look to the right and this person, I don't know, is an amazing figure skater. I'm just giving an example. And then we say, wait, but overcoming and persevering, is that enough? And I just love how you explained that of, man, you know, all of these things together are how God uniquely created you and being able to accept that, that journey of acceptance that you talked about is so critical. It is. I think I, I like the way you use the word acceptance because again, I think from a, the opposite A is arrogance or pride. Yeah. <laughs> saying I can handle this. I could do this. I think every great endeavor that I ever had, you know, whether it's writing the book or doing some of the other things that I've done, 
it really, ironically, not that I wanted it, but it just came from being, um, let's say I was humbled. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and humbled meaning, I mean, thrashed to the ground and it's like starting at ground zero. And I think that this was, of course, my world, but I do believe that humility or being humbled makes you very open to hearing God's call for your life. And you have just a better understanding because I think our own ego gets in the way all the time. And sometimes, you know, the Lord works in strange ways, but I think that it's an important aspect that I think that a lot of my learning came from my disasters. That's why I love your podcast. I can't tell you how important in terms of a purpose pivot. I mean, no one wants to hear that. Well, listen, first ingredient, pain. That's going to be your first <laughs> ingredient. You're going to be humble. And you go, check, please. I don't think so. Right. So you don't, you don't ask for it. But, and, and I don't say that this is going to be in every single case. You know, but I do believe difficulty, even disaster, plays a huge role. And you know, stuff happens to each of us. But that's where the Lord comes in. I do, it yeah. sounds kind of Pollyanna, but I think that opportunity definitely comes from adversity. You just got to be open to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think about adversity and those times that feel like trials and difficulty. It says that we should count it all joy. And that part of counting joy, I really believe, is is part of building our character, right? Yeah. <laughs> Going back to that humility that you're talking about, if you can go through those moments and in the end look back and say, you know what, it all worked out for my good, that's huge because you've, you've grown in character. Absolutely. You know, it sometimes sounds a little Pollyanna about growing in character, but I really do believe that is the truth. I mean, that... There's no doubt that the difficulties of our life definitely are the key points, the stepping stones to our success if we just embrace it. No one wants pain and adversity, but it does beg a response. And I think that's a key element. Most people either run away or fall prey to it. And how do you rise above it? How do you, how do you go through it is a key element. Absolutely. And when I think about this and just knowing some of your story as we think about this whole conversation of humility and character and those purpose pivot moments where there's difficulties there's maybe it feels like a derailment um, disappointments a lot of times I hear that I'm paraphrasing here where hey, you don't want to get somewhere before your character is ready to sustain you there. I would love for us to get into that journey that you shared with me of eventually writing your book and then actually getting it published and how that character piece of humility and preparation really weaved into that, that journey. Sure. Well, in the process of... Uh... You know, it's interesting how this whole thing came about. I, I will share this from a personal standpoint. You know, my wife and I, I, we called it the baby book years. And I don't know why it was during the same times, but I appreciated that, you know, my wife supported me on this crazy calling to write a book because it didn't make sense 
because I wasn't making the money with a full-time job. I was an individual, self-employed, and uh, but she was with me in this process of writing this book, and especially as it relates to a calling where I'm talking about God and the workplace instead of just money. And at the same time, after we got married, we were trying to have a child, and we went through years of uh, very painful couple of miscarriages that were extremely painful and difficult. So this was not just a short-term thing. This was a several-year journey of walking together. And I think that, uh, you know, when you mentioned about purpose pivots, it's sometimes it's a series where it's not just a moment in time, but it's a long duration of time. It literally is a walk in the desert. However, the greatest gift that I found was um, it, it really is the journey. <laughs> I know it sounds rather trite about the journey, but the only thing that we learned, and I learned today, is you, know, you can only take it one step at a time and one day at a time. And again, it sounds trite, but really a journey that has a longer term vision towards a success, you know, sometimes that success is years in the making, but it's all those steps that leading to that opportunity. And I think that as I see many people, there's a lot of impatience. I know mm. that I dealt with impatience all the time and it's so easy to quit. And, and sometimes there's so much value to just walking day by day, moment by moment, and understanding that basically that the Lord is with us every step of the way. And I think that becomes a crisis of faith for many, and it was for me, where it's day by day trusting in the Lord versus, I wouldn't say trusting in yourself. I mean, you do need to trust in yourself, and you have your unique giftedness, and you need to have the courage to move forward. But also, it's a partnership with God where you really need to be in sync with uh, not just hearing his voice, but having the courage to follow through on things that are the, the tougher right thing versus the easier wrong thing. That is so impactful. And I think that, you know, you said something around this whole concept of that value of walking day by day, understanding right. that it's a journey and literally getting your daily bread. What am I to do today? And I think that that is something that as a culture, we have seen so many overnight successes that it's sometimes hard <laughs> when you're in the trenches and, you know, you have this idea, you have this thought, you, you believe you followed what you felt the Lord was speaking to you and it doesn't materialize and week goes by a month goes by a year goes by and it doesn't materialize can you talk to how you kept the faith as you were saying hey look I I felt called to write this book I wrote it and now I'm walking day by day, but I don't see anything materializing. How, how did you keep the faith? And especially going through the difficulties personally at the same time, you know, I, I know you said you went through multiple miscarriages and I'm, I'm so sorry for your losses. How did you keep the faith? How did you keep motivated during that time? Yeah. 
That's a great question. It's a very important one. I would say that at that time and in the present time is, is the same. I, I'm going to talk about walking by faith. And there, there are two scriptures that, that come out at me that I think are, that I, that mean a lot to me, that helped me get through that journey that you're describing. You know, one of them, and I, I think what I love about the Bible is whether they're true stories or they're metaphors, they have such meaning in terms of uh, how it applies to my life. And one of them goes back to Deuteronomy, where the, the, the kind of the famous walking in the desert, looking for the promised land. And I remember in Deuteronomy, you know, Moses speaking to people and his famous last words were, I've set before you today life and death, blessings and curses. And then his finally his last words are, now choose life. So you will live, but you and it's for you and your children. So what I gained out of that for me is every single day, first of all, you only have today. I had to learn that. I you know, I was as a I was always, to this day, future-oriented. And really, it, it hasn't done me any favors because I've always been a worrier. And I tell people that as I was a speaker. I said, oh, you know, I'm a worrier. Someone in the crowd go, he's a warrior. I said, no, no, I'm a warrior. <laughs> I worry all the time. And so it's true. And I, it, I get so frustrated with that because I, I get frustrated with myself that I worry about something in the future that may never happen. And it basically kills the moment of the day. I mean, how mm. stupid is that? So I get pretty upset with myself about my own worry. So this quote by Moses was so impactful because he's basically saying a few things here. First of all, you only have today. And if, you're, if I was one of those mo people walking in the desert, I mean, I'd be whining and complaining. Oh, man, my mouth is dry. I can't get... I, where's my bottled water? I don't have any water. I'm worrying about it. Where am I going to get the food, right? But he basically, you know, it, it, as the walk, he always had the manna. I mean, every, you know, without fail. But I'd worry about it. And so what I love about uh, what he says here is he gives you today, and you have a choice. You know, you can whine and complain, or you can just see that your life is cursed. Or you could say there's something positive in this life. There are blessings, and you need to choose these blessings. You need to choose life. And so I think people, day in and day out, they take advantage of all the wealth that they have, but they're whining and complaining, meaning included, when we have these gifts and we really need to choose life versus shooting ourselves in the foot by looking at the things that we don't have. So that's, I think that's something that really helped me walk through each day. Another scripture that I absolutely love was Three Lamentations 3.22 and 23, which basically saying was because of God's love, we're not destroyed. His mercies never fail. They're always new every single day. And that was very powerful for me back then and it is today, because these mercies, these blessings are available to us fresh every morning. And it's up to us whether to receive them. 
And I know from my past, I just missed the mark. <laughs> I was always either looking at the flu future complaining. I didn't see what was in front of me. And sometimes those mercies are the simplest things. I mean, looking out and seeing a sunset, the smallest things. But mercies are also in the difficulties. You know, and a lot of people get so hung up on the difficulties, they don't even recognize it as a mercy. It could be a great learning experience. It could be a moment of awareness. I mean, I came to know the Lord because of the difficulty and his mercy in the midst of pain. And I think people either run from that or avoid that. But I think it's such an important aspect to really, truly live life that is truly life every single day in the present, but having hope for the future. That That is so powerful. And I love how you use... You actually use two books of the Bible where I don't hear people talk about very often. <laughs> right. <laughs> but even more, just I like how you took, especially the, the scripture on in Lamentations about God's mercies that are new each morning. Right. That when we are going through moments where aren't things aren't as great or they're difficult, how can we learn from those? How can we really look at the mercies of God through those difficulties because they can birth something even greater, right? It's that Absolutely. beauty out of ashes moment. And so that that is fantastic. So I do want to kind of bring your story together for our listeners as we wrap up this episode. So Larry, you said, hey, I'm, I have this book. We, we're we're looking to publish it. We're going through these different difficulties and trials. And if I recall, you said this was a journey of seven years. Correct. <laughs> of trying to get the, the book published. And I, I, I want to say even seven publishers, but you can, you can tell us a little bit more about that story and how sure. did you finally get it published? And eventually, as I was introducing you in the beginning and eventually it becoming a bestseller, how'd that all happen? <laughs> That's well, let's start with getting the publisher first and then how did it become a bestseller? You know, I've I my past has been sales, right? And yes. so I tell you, it was quite the journey. First of all, from a technical standpoint, <clears throat> I had to write a thing called a book proposal, which is basically a sales pitch to a publisher on why they would pick up a book, right? I mean, why they would publish a book. And so one of the things I learned right off the bat, and especially working in the New York corporate market and being in sales, is if you approach a publisher, it's real simple. I mean, you could write the, the most beautiful, valuable book in the world, but it, I, mean, I hate to sound you know, cold and cool about this, but it's show me the money. Just show me the money. Why, Sounds about right. <laughs> why would I pick up this book, and how is it going to make me money? I mean, let's just let's be cold and cruel about it. But that's the story. So what I had to do in writing that book proposal is I had to, in a very succinct way, define, okay, what is this book about? Why is a reader going to read it? What's the value to it? And as if a publisher was going to publish it, so why would it make money? Meaning, 
A, how is it going to get on a bookshelf? And then B, once it's on the bookshelf, how are people going to pick that book amongst many other books? So it can become a bestseller. So we're talking about the old bottom line sales. So in terms of writing that book proposal, I, well, first of all, I found it took me 20, I started to look for agents. And so it took me about, after going through 20 agents and 19 no's, I found someone that was going to pick it up. And so, and that was a long process that took at least a couple of years, if not more, going through those rejections. So then I find this agent who was a very nice person, but she was definitely a shark. (laughs) She (laughs) was, I mean, she was an agent from New York, a tough cookie. And so she had me do that book proposal over at least 15 times. And then I eventually got it right. And she started to shop it to publishers. And we just got a whole bunch of failures. And then we eventually goes, okay, we're going to go to that eventful day. She goes, uh, I'm going to line up after all these failures. I'm going to try to line up uh, publishers. And you come to New York and you make your pitch. And so I did. And once again, and it's one, two, three strikes, nothing, right? So this is going on forever of doing and redoing a pitch. And then literally after, I can't tell you how many rewrites of the um, book proposal and people to go after, not you know, and publishers to go after, after years, finally, a publisher decided to pick it up, pick up the book. And so that finally signaled, I'm on. And so I went and proceeded to write God is my CEO. And then once it published, so so how did it become a bestseller? You know, I'm going to give the Lord the credit for starters. And it was the right place, right time. But from a business perspective, from a business standpoint, What is your unique competitive advantage? So here I am. I'm writing a Christian book, but I did not want it to be in a Christian uh, bookstore. Let me explain further. The world loves to put us in boxes. So in the publishing world, there's the ABA, or American Booksellers Association, and the CBA, the Christian Booksellers Association. So there are two different camps. And so what is your book? Mine was in kind of two feet, one in one camp, one in the other. Now, that's a bad thing, but it's also a good thing because I seriously wanted it to be a book that goes into the Barnes and Nobles of the world, the American Booksellers Association. So if you can imagine going to a Barnes and Noble business section under leadership and you look at the rack and it goes money, 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 God, money, 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 money. There's a unique competitive advantage in that. And so absolutely. And so it was strategic. It was a long time of learning. But I think the, the, the thing I would share is um, you have to do what you're called to do, but you need to do it really, really well in everything. Not only the book itself, but the, the marketing, the promotion. It's all the due diligence. So it's not like, okay, you know, God's going to come from the sky and make it a bestseller. 
No, he's going he's gonna to work through me and work through others to make it the best it could be to serve an audience. And literally, it is to serve a purpose, but I'm doing it in what I've learned as a salesperson in a bottom line world to get it out there in the marketplace so people can benefit. So I think it's all kind of, all part of God's plan, but I think that's the quick or maybe slow answer to how I got in the bookstore and then how we got it in the uh, out of the bookstore. And, um, you know, I was fortunate. And when I did get picked up, there was some support in the marketing, the promotion where, you know, getting this out and getting it aware but I think that the title and its uniqueness helped make it a bestseller. And also, I think that the, it's the stories. It was an easy read. I tried to really let the stories carry the day. And like anything else, if something is of value, word of mouth is probably the best. Thing. Once you get it into people's hands and then they start to like the book and pass it on, I think that's what makes a bestseller. Uh, it's the ability to have a life of its own. And I think that's what happened for God as my CEO, because, you know, you always want to be the first in a market to do something. And at that particular time, it was one of the few books that were talking about integrating work and faith. And it was just the right time, right place. And I know for me, it was one of those books that became the right time at the right place that really impacted me. So I would thank you very much for taking that leap of faith to write that book. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Thank> you're <laughs> welcome. And so, you know, Larry, I, I really think that this episode for me has been something that has really motivated me because I look at your story and I realize that Everything came together. All things worked together for good. I mean, from you having a sales background, even with the multiple firings, in the end, the sales background is what helped you to get the book published and out in the marketplace, right? That's right. And That's so right. eventually, even those disappointments and what felt like difficulties were actually things that helped bring everything together into this purpose pivot. So I, I loved hearing your, sh your story and just even your perspective on your story. So thank you for joining us today. And oh, thank you. Yeah. And typically I love to end each podcast with something called get to know it's rapid fire questions. Uh, just a few questions. Would you be up for it? Sure. All right. So if you could tell our listeners, what is the most consistent thing you do on a daily basis? I'm always interested to find out what is the most consistent thing you do on a daily basis. I exercise. Oh, that's a fantastic answer. And if you could have a meal with a person in history or a person present, who would it be and why? Abraham Lincoln. And I, I would love to, I'd love to pick his brain as it relates to, um, you know, I, he seemed like a, someone that persevered, someone that was in an impossible situation, similar to today, you know, where there's so much divert, uh, you know, just infighting, 
and just how he um, how he kept the nation together, and some of those stories about him. And you know, I'd love to hear about what he. He just seemed like a really cool guy. Yeah, I think that would be a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. What is the last movie you watched? I still haven't. I, I'm trying to think. I think that um, it was a. I, I'm trying to think of the war movie. It was. It was with Brad Pitt. All right. Uh, so I'm not good with and, movies. <laughs> okay, I cannot. I'm trying to think. You know, <laughs> so I have to think of that movie thing here. We, well, you know what? This may be a reason why we'll have to have you back on the podcast at some point and we'll ask you the same question again one day. So no worries at all. So thank you so much, Larry, for being a guest on today's show. I know our listeners are going to learn so much and I know I have. How can our listeners stay in touch with you and the work that you're doing? Uh, sure. I would say... Uh... You know, feel free to go to my website, LarryJulian.com, www.LarryJulian.com, or just Google God is my CEO, and uh, that's where you'll find me. Or, uh, yeah, feel free to email me. My email is LarryJulian at Comcast.net. You could do that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Larry, for being on today's show. It's been an absolute pleasure. and. I know that this will be something that will impact so many lives, such as how God is my CEO and the whole God is book series has. So thank you. Well, thank you. This was really fantastic. And I do like to end this, not the the last movie, but I love The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) (laughs) Great movie. It is. I watch it 50 times, so, you know, watch that. That's perfect. I'm your host, Yewande O'Neill. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, I'm going to ask you, why haven't you? Push the subscribe button. And while you're at it, I'd love to hear your thoughts and get your feedback. Take a few minutes and write a review. If you want to learn more about our guests and the podcast, head over to www.kairosleaders.org backslash podcast. You'll find guest bios, show notes, and much more. And remember, every moment, good or bad, is an opportunity to pivot into your purpose.